0: So here's the deal, right? So, like, um, I was a rock singer in the 60s. I actually was a sex symbol. Why are you laughing? That was another joke, everybody. Uh, women used to scream my name. Can you believe that? They, they still scream my name, but for the wrong reasons now. But anyway, but I, I was in a rock band in the 60s. I had no religious background at all. And uh, so I wasn't saved in a church meeting. I wasn't raised religious. I didn't know who Jesus was, basically. And I'm sitting in a cinema watching a movie about the life of Christ, a classic secular movie called The Greatest Story Ever Told. I thought it was a Western. <laughs> no, I Because like, we used to get a film, come to our village, like twice a month. The Greatest Story Ever Told. I thought, wow, this is a Western. So I went... <laughs> And God ambushed me in the cinema. Um, and, and, and as this man acted out the life of, of Jesus, the Holy Spirit um, revealed Jesus to me in the cinema. And um, I went home and I said to my mom, I said, Mom, I found God. She said, I'm taking you to the doctor now. <laughs> she thought I'd lost it. And, but I was ambushed. And the reason I say that is because uh, for some of you here this morning, you're, you're gonna be ambushed. You, you may have come here, um, I don't know, with whatever way, wh- whatever situation you're in and thinking, well, another church service. No, Jesus was waiting for you like he was waiting for the woman at the well um, before you arrived. And the reason I say that is because um, I preached two services already here, and I preached the same service in, uh, message in both services. But I'm sitting in in the room there just before coming out here, and the Holy Spirit said, I, "I want you to preach something different in this third service." So that makes you feel really special, right? So, so but seriously, and I said, "Oh wow!" Because he does this a lot. Look. You know I pastored the same church for 26 years i 'm a pastor at heart, okay and i, I 've I've learned this clever words don 't change people, but right words in the Holy Spirit actually transforms your life and um, i 'm going to share something with you this morning I don 't know how it's going to come out, but I, I just know that god 's going going to heal people here this morning and I don't know about you, but I've discovered that, well, in my own experience as a preacher, uh, the best messages, the most powerful messages come out of sometimes the deepest pain. Um, Like the greatest lessons you learn is not some revelation you receive in a seminar, but but how you survive something you thought was going to kill you. Um, Authority is not what you know. It's what you've survived. I'm 75 years of age. This next month. I've been in the ministry now for nearly 50 years. And the, the only reason I am here is because the grace of God and his faithfulness has been constant in my life. Can anybody say amen if that's your experience? And so I've learned this. Like, do you remember when uh, Samson killed the lion? And, uh, and he just went on his way. And he came back a few weeks later. And the, the carcass of the lion had decomposed. Uh, and and he, he came to the lion. And, he, and, he, and it was stinking. It was dead. It was decomposing. But some bees had got in there. And created a honeycomb in there so he reached inside the dead carcass of the lion and and reached and brought out sweetness for himself and it strengthened him on his journey and you know the Lord said to me Ray don't be afraid to share the dead areas of your life because very often that's the place where I create honey for others to receive comfort. Come on, somebody say amen here. Amen. And sometimes, you know, as a preacher, we can share our successes and all that stuff. And but, but I want to be very honest with you today, um, because this message may be for somebody here out, out of, out of a dead season of my life, when I thought, can anything good come out of this? Um, God brought me. Th- uh, he gave me three words that helped me through this dark time. And the three words were this. It, in fact, it was like, it's words we normally use at Christmas. You know, when the shepherds were out in the fields and the, the angels came and all that stuff. And, and the angels j- j- just, just told them, uh, you know, three simple words. He just said this to them, go to Bethlehem, and then they turned to one another and they said, let's go to Bethlehem. And the reason I say that is because those words were spoken to me, I was, I was um, uh, the, the, the Bible says that they, were, that they were shepherds watching their flock, watch this, by night. And it all became relevant to me, I was going through a night season. Um, can you take some honesty this morning? Talk to me. Good. All right. So there I was, pastoring a church, and sadly, uh, uh, my wife decided she didn't want to be part of my life anymore. And so um, she would left, and I'm sitting in the house. Um, she'd filed for divorce, and I'm sitting in my house, and I had to go on Sunday Christmas morning, I had to go down to the church to lead a family service. How many of you know that's the last place I wanted to go? I wanted to jump on a plane and go to the Arctic Circle and spend my time with the Emperor Penguins. That's what I wanted to do. That's how I felt. But I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here, and I, uh, uh all was n- not well, and I'm trying to navigate myself through this emotional and mental and spiritual storm and, um, and, and, and I opened my Bible on that uh, Christmas morning and I'm reading from Luke chapter 2 and, and the Lord said to me go to Bethlehem and, and, and this is I'm, I'm in the back room just preparing to come out to this service and he, and he said Ray I want you to be honest because there are people that need to hear this because some of you, I, 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 you know, I, I, was, you know I, I picked up my Bible, I read this, it, and it was like unwrapping a personalized gift from under the tree of life. And Luke chapter 2 verse 10 and 11 actually says this, and I took it personally. It was a rhema that jumped off the pages and wrapped itself around my neck as the comforter came into my room and wrapped his arms around me. It was like a, it was like a heavenly hug. Uh, and, and these words became so real to me. And the Lord said, I want you to share this with the people in the service because th- this is not a sermon. This is a word from God for somebody here. And he said this, don't be afraid. I bring you he said, and, and the emphasis was on you. You know, like when you're reading the Bible and one word just, just gets augmented? He says, don't be afraid because, Ray, I bring you good news. And I thought, how on earth can I get good news in this situation? I bring you good, good news of great joy for everyone, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born in Bethlehem. And he said to me, go to Bethlehem. And I'm still trying to f- figure this all out. And, and the shepherds turned to one another and said, let's go to Bethlehem. Because, and then he said to me, Ray, go to Bethlehem. You'll find the answer to every need that you have right now in Bethlehem. And I experienced what the shepherds experienced that night. Watch as they watched their flocks by night. And sometimes we go through night experiences. And uh, I, I too was a shepherd watching his flock by night. I had to go down and feed the sheep on Christmas morning when it was nighttime for me. But after that visit to Bethlehem, the shepherds, like the shepherds, I returned glorifying God and praising God for all the things I had seen and heard. And the reason I say that, and I'm sitting here, and I said, Lord, what do you want to say here? And he said, that there are people who are going through a night experience in the service. I was a shepherd watching my flocks by night. You may be, a single parent watching your family by night. You may be a widow or a widower or a divorcee watching your heart by night. You may be watching your job by night. Not all is well at work. You may be watching your finances by night. You may be trying to get through your studies by night. You may be Dealing with a relationship situation in your family by night. You may be watching your health by night. Come on, do you understand what I'm trying to say here? And the Holy Spirit knows your situation. And you're in a night season. And when you're going through those seasons of of, of nighttime, uh, at those times you need more than a bottle of wine to dull the pain. You need more than Mariah Carey's Christmas hits (laughs) to dull the pain. You need more than turkey or tinsel or TV to calm your mind. You need a revelation from heaven, a gift sent from heaven wrapped in swaddling clothes. So let's go to Bethlehem for a few minutes because that's where you're going to find your need met. Why go to Bethlehem? And this is what the Lord said to me, Ray, go to Bethlehem, you will find someone to take your fear away. Do not fear, he said to the shepherds. And some of you are dealing with an irrational fear, a fear that. Keeps recurring, a fear that won't go away, the fear that keeps you awake at night, a fear that robs you of contentment in the day. And I don't know what it is that's caused the fear. You see, like I said, this is not, this is not a sermon, this is a rhema word for people here. And, and they say, I, I did a, a, a little bit of a study, and they say, uh, th- there is a new fear um, in our generation, and the new fear is called hopelessness. We're living in a generation where this, di- this rampant disease of hopelessness is robbing particularly young people of the joy of living and replacing it with the dread and fear of the future. Suicide has risen 70% between 17 to 25-year-olds. We are living in the best connected generation we've ever lived in through social media, but research reveals it's the loneliest generation. I remember listening to a radio program and there were three doctors on the program and they were being interviewed and so the Questionnaire, uh, the the guy that was uh, the host said, asked three of them, out of all the people that come into your surgery on a daily basis, do you find one thing recurring, one ailment? And one doctor said, no, he said, I find three. He said, the first one is loneliness, the second one is fear, and the third one is insecurity. And the other doctor said, you know, we find the same thing. We are dealing with mental, emotional issues rather than physical. And then then one doctor said, if somebody could come into the world and tell people who they are, why they're here, and where they're going, if we could bottle that, we could save a whole generation. And then another doctor said, I'm listening to this on the radio. Another doctor said, but I'm sad to say, I don't know anyone who could do that. I started shouting at the radio. I know someone who can do that. His name is Jesus. Come on, somebody, say amen right here. <laughs> You'll find him in Bethlehem. And I, I'm, I'm sharing with you a conversation I was having with the Holy Spirit on a Christmas morning when I was going through a night season. He says, Ray, go to Bethlehem. You'll find some, someone to take your fear away. He says, Go, the, the second thing he said was, Go to Bethlehem, you'll find someone to take your pain away. Um, my heart was broken. Uh, have, you, have you ever sometimes been in between a broken heart and a hopeless future? uh, I I sense uh, some of you are in between a broken heart and a hopeless future and you're in the middle, the space between and you don't know what to do. Listen, you need to go to Bethlehem because you'll find someone to take your pain away. Particularly mental, emotional pain. Paracetamol or morphine cannot alleviate the pain of a broken heart. And some of you are there. You know, the reason why you have to go to Bethlehem. And, I'm, and the Lord is showing me this as I'm having this conversation. And then he said, look, look at the gifts that were brought him as a baby. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So I did a little study, particularly on the myrrh. And I discovered that myrrh is a pain reliever. And then I thought, wow, they offered him myrrh at birth, and they offered him myrrh when he was dying on the cross. Remember when they dipped the sponge? It was myrrh, uh, they, and they give it to the prisoners to alleviate some of the pain. And this is what the Lord said to me. He said, I received myrrh when I was born, because I came into the world to take away pain. And he said, I rejected it on the cross, showing you I keep my promise. He says, I took your pain on the cross. He says, surely, Ray, I've borne your grief and I've carried your sorrow. So he said, receive the pain reliever. I call it, I call it, the peace that makes no sense. It's like when you should be cracking up, when you should be, uh, you know, uh, an absolute mess, which sometimes we are, but in it, somehow you got this peace that makes, some of you worry when you don't worry. I should be worrying. When you, when you worry because you you're not worrying, you're experiencing the peace that makes no sense. The Bible puts it like this, the peace that passes understanding. And some of you are going to walk out of this meeting today with a peace that makes no sense. You came in here with that pain. You're going to leave differently. Come on, somebody, say amen in this house. You know, in the old covenant... In the old covenant, God said "God said um, um, to his people, when you come into my presence to worship me, if you come in through the north gate, you have to leave through the south gate. If you come into my presence from the east gate, you have to leave through the west gate. The lesson, you don't leave my presence the same way that you came into my presence. And if that's the case in the old covenant, how much more in the new covenant? And I'm telling you, you're not going to leave the same way that you came in here. If you came in here depressed, expect to leave with the joy of God in your heart. If you came in here sick, expect to leave healed in Jesus' name. Can I hear a big amen in this place right now? I sense the presence of God here. Because I know when he tells me to go in a different direction, I know something's, something's going on here. And he will go out of his way for one person. You know, Jesus, Jesus was ministering and the 12 disciples were with him and he gets this glazed look and he stops and the disciples say, what's, going, what's happening now? He says, I've got to go through Samaria. Now, Jesus, listen, no Jew goes through Samaria. Do you know what I'm saying? A bunch of, you know I me, mean? we avoid it. Now I've got to go. I have to go. You see, the, many of us, we know how to respond to the, co- to the, the, the command of evangelism. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. We know, but watch, there's another level. Jesus exampled another level. We all understand the command of evangelism. But you know where God wants to take us? And especially here in Coastline, he wants you to hear the cry of the harvest. It's another level. So you don't see people as statistics. You see them as people. And Jesus says, I can hear the cry of a woman who's looking for love in the wrong place. She's tried five times. And he says, I have to go. And so, and so, I don't know why I shared that. (laughs) But, uh, but he, he was waiting here for you before you came. You'll find someone to take your pain away. Come on, somebody say Amen in this house right here. And then finally, you'll find someone to take your sin away. In Matthew one twenty one it says, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. And some of you are beating yourself up big time because of some sin you can't deal with. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need was technology, he would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need was money, he would have sent an economist. If our greatest need was pleasure, he would have sent an entertainer. But whether we realize it or not, our greatest need, the greatest need in the human heart is for forgiveness. That's why he sent a Savior. Come on, somebody say amen, Forgiveness. I think last time I was here, I preached a message on forgiveness, and it's 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 it, 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 it's like a, it's a mandate that's, that's that's on my life right now, to preach the gospel of the grace of God. Forgiveness is the greatest gift for both Christian and non-Christian. In Acts thirteen verse thirty-eight, Paul says this: "We are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus." There is forgiveness for your sins, watch this, for everyone who believes, because in him is made right, who believes in him is made right in God's sight. I heard one preacher, and I hear many preachers say, oh, you know, uh, to receive forgiveness from God you first have to repent. No, they got it all wrong, it doesn't say that here. You can't repent before you believe. Repentance is not what you do to change. Repentance is what God does in you to change. No, it says forgiveness is to be believed. And and I believe that people are gonna believe this morning that sin you're trying to deal with, you're gonna believe. That forgiveness is available to you. Is this helping anybody here this morning? Do you know what is helping me anyway? <laughs> but I know, I can see. I can see people. I can see in your faces. that You know, sometimes as a preacher, do you know, I, I, was, I was sharing some. Sometimes as a preacher, I, I'm an observer. <laughs> I, I just give the word and the Holy Ghost watches over it. And I watch him do it. That's all we are. We're just mouthpieces. And he does the work, and he's doing it here this morning. And some of you need to know that. You know, one of the hardest things for people to accept is that they are forgiven. Seriously. Especially believers. <laughs> you know, I'm preaching like this. Zach, I was preaching like this once right? I in the church. Uh, like this. And and I said, this is what I said. I said, if you've sinned as a believer, um, if you're a backslider, come back to God. And he he, he spoke to me. He He said, Ray, never tell a failed believer, never tell one of my children who've sinned to come back to me. I said, what? Well, what do I tell them? He said, tell them I never left. I was, sh- I sh- I was shocked. I was like, what? he said, tell them I never-, I never left. So some of you are beating yourself up because of some sin or some failure. Or Come to Bethlehem. You'll find somebody who's taken your sin away. So when you messed up, he didn't vacate. Jesus didn't come on vacation into your life. When, when you messed up, when you sinned, he was in it with you. So when you say, come back to God, it's like, oh, I'm here now. I'm so far back to where I was. Now I've got to get back up to this standard. No, no. God says, g- 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 I'm with you. Just thank me for being with you. And thank me that your sins have been forgiven. Well, that's, that's got it out of my sister. Um, I I don't know if I shared this last year, I'm going to finish with this, but I'm on a, I've just finished preaching a few days somewhere, and I'm on the plane flying home, and normally after I've been preaching for a couple of days, and I've been with lots of people, I don't like people anymore, I want to be on my own, (laughs) so uh, I'm being honest, right, so I'm on the plane in my leave me alone mode, right, don't ask me what I'm doing, nothing, Right, I'm on the plane. I so said this guy comes to sit by me, and, um, and he and he had plaster on his on his foot, so obviously with my keen sense of observation, I thought he's done something to his foot. So anyway, so then I I said, hey, what have you done to your foot? I'm thinking, why are you talking to this guy? Leave him. And and, and I said, well, he said, well, actually, he said, I I've been skiing and I've bust my foot and I've had to go home early. And then I keep talking. I said, so what do you do then? I said, Ray, shut up. You're not, don't start the conversation. You're... So what, he said, well, actually, he said, I'm a, I'm a portrait artist. Well, that's the end of that conversation. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> what do I know? I'm Mona Lisa. That's about it. And the guy that cut his hair off. I know, That's it. Of my... <laughs> so then I thought, well, why am I? So I said, so have you have you painted any famous people? And he said, but well, actually, he said, I I don't broadcast this, but he says, I'm the portrait, I'm, I'm the personal portrait artist for the British royal family. Now that is the end of the conversation, isn't it? <laughs> he said, last month I did a I did a my third portrait of the Queen. So then I said, why did you start this conversation in the first place? So then he says to me, what do you do? Oh God, no, please, I don't. I never say I'm a preacher, ever. Because that is the end of the conversation, isn't it? I'm a preacher, oh? <laughs> yeah. kind of a gin and tonic, please, thank you very much, and a double whiskey, thank you. And I said this? I'm a preacher, what do you, no. And then this is what he said. He said, you know what, Ray, when I came to sit by you, I, I looked at you and I thought, there's something different about this guy. And I began to realize we carry the presence of God, whether we're in a good mood or a bad mood. You know why? Because God is never in a bad mood. And he lives inside us. So, so then I, I said, he said, can I tell you something I've never told anyone? This is why I never say I'm a pastor. Because you get the life story, right? I got my own. Thank you. I got my own problems. I don't need you guys right now. I want to go home, okay? <laughs> so he said, 15 years ago, I had a dream. I'm not religious. He said, I'm not religious, nothing. I had a dream. In the dream, there was this man standing before me. I knew it was Jesus. I just knew. And I'm on my knees pouring out all my sin. Bad stuff, bad stuff, bad stuff. He said, I'm a portrait artist. I can take emotion and put it on canvas. It's a gift. And I looked at Jesus' face when I was pouring out all my sin, and it was unmoved. It was almost like he was bored. But then right at the end of the dream, I said, but I don't believe in you. And he said, that's when his eyes dropped in disappointment, and I woke up wait, can you tell me the meaning of that dream? He, 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 I said, oh, I said, Alex, you've just explained to me what theologians, theologians have written thousands of books trying to explain. He said, what do you mean? I said, you know when you were pouring out all that sin, all that junk in your life, you know why his face was unmoved? He said, no. I said, because he's paid for every single one of them. Your sins, Have been forgiven. You know why his eyes dropped in disappointment? He said, No, because you don't believe it. I said, Can you believe he said, Do you think he will do that for me? I said, He's already done it. He just wants you to believe it, bro. I said, Look, I'm not gonna pray with you now on the plane. I want you to go home. I said, Have you talked to Jesus since? No, he said, I'm too embarrassed. Go home, talk to him, sort it out. Just say thank you for forgiving me for my sins and then receive it and then text me. Following day, he texts me one word, sorted. Come on, give it up for Alex right here. Sorted. Sorted. Let's go to Bethlehem. Some of you watching, I don't know what you're watching by night. But you'll find someone to take your pain away, your fear away, and your sin away. If you'll just believe.